When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Okay, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. We do not have an Oilers game. It got postponed. So, current scores early in the second period. Ottawa up one nothing on Calgary. Sabres and Rangers scoreless in the second period. Also in the second, Hurricanes and Blue Jackets, a one nothing lead for Carolina. No score, Islanders and Flyers. Late in the first, the Ducks and the Wild are scoreless. few games coming up later as well, including a North Division game with the Jets taking on the Canucks after the Jets were beaten twice here in Edmonton. Well, we now know what it takes to get Jack Michaels his preferred time slot of 6.05. Has to be a postponed game. Hi, Jack. Yeah, I, the one I really feel bad for is poor Cam. You know, he's had a ton of uh, ton of games lately that uh, you know have have actually uh, been me calling the games on six thirty. Chad and boom, you know he gets uh, he gets the postponement tonight. But you know what? I, I suppose it's you know a minor miracle that we're two and a half months in here and and this is the first game postponed in Canada. It's unfortunate. Uh, You start looking at possibilities for when this game may be made up and and quite frankly, the the future of the rest of the series. And you start really, uh, you know, creeping up. I've, I've done some work on the schedule read this, this one might bleed into, you know, that may 10th, 11th type of deal. Uh, because the the schedules for both clubs do not match up, and uh, Montreal is basically playing every other day in March, or excuse me, in April, and uh, the first week of May. There's conflicts, uh, even though both teams have have certain days off. Yeah, and, and again, just to update everybody. If I, I mean, I, I imagine you know by now, but if you don't have all the information, here's what I can tell you. The Canadians had two players enter the COVID protocol this afternoon. That list comes out, uh, or they were added around 3 o'clock Mountain Time, Armia and Kotkaniemi. We started our face-off show at 3.30. We were pretty sure there was going to be a game. Then Eric Ingles from Sportsnet said, wait a minute, just talk to Bill Daly. He said a postponement is possible. There's some new information. And then around 4.15 or so, uh no game so that's how we got there and as as jack referenced we don't know when this is game's going to be rescheduled it will not be tomorrow uh we'll probably find out some more things in the morning and and the entire three game series in montreal could not happen so there may not be a game wednesday there may not be a game friday there may but we should note that uh there also may not so that's uh that's what we can tell you there, and that's why we have inside sports now instead of a hockey game. Jack, um, you know, this, just to reiterate, this... re, re, just to add to that point is there's no option to play it, you know, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, because, of course, the Oilers have a game against Toronto on Saturday. So that's the other thing that kind of crowds the schedule and, and makes the fact that, you know, this first game of the series will not be made up on this trip. 
Yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and like you, I, I looked ahead at the two teams because the Oilers next week, they actually have a rare three-day break. Tuesday, but Wednesday, Montreal Thursday, twice. Montreal plays, and then uh, Edmonton has a bit of a gap uh, later in April, but that, that doesn't work. I mean, this it could be yeah. played May 10th, or it could be other games get rearranged along the way here. Yeah, there, there might be a total tweaking of the schedule. Again, though, Montreal's pretty much every other day in April and on into May. And, and you point out that break in April where the Oilers are actually off, you know, I think they have five full five, off five days. days. There yeah. are six days between games, but Montreal has Calgary twice in that stretch, 22nd and the 24th. So the way I look at it, Reed, is if, they're able to play Wednesday and Friday. The one game can be made up, you know, relatively easily May 10th. I think the stars are playing. I think Jersey and Philly might be playing in that, you know, general window and then you're done. But if you're unable to get two or even three games out of that series and, and all of a sudden you're looking at Edmonton basically going straight to Toronto and, and playing at two games of the Leafs, then you're looking at a very real possibility of either tweaking everyone's schedule or looking at points percentage as an option to decide the North division. I mean, I, I you know, I just don't know, there's, as you as you no doubt have pointed out to your listeners, there's there's really no other gaps that look feasible to fit, you know, as many as three games in there. Now again, you know, you might play Wednesday and Friday, and no problem, you play it at the end of the season. But if you don't, then you're then you're really looking at at a huge shuffle. Jack Michaels joining us tonight on uh, Inside Sports. Of course, course, uh, calls Oilers games on both Sportsnet and on 630 Chet. He would have been on TV tonight, and Cam Moon would have been here on 630 Chet. So uh, we don't have a game, though. Jack, uh, this always, when something like this happens, it always gets me thinking about uh, other things. Now, first of all, let's set this. How how many years did you spend in, in, in minor league hockey? Remind me of that. Minor league pro hockey, I did 11 years in minor league pro hockey. And I okay. saw pretty much everything there was uh, to see. I, I saw a return to Anchorage in the midst of a, a sequence where the club was actually on the road for 11 consecutive games. But there was a gap. You know, there was like a gap from Saturday to Friday. So, you know, in order to alleviate being on the road for, I I believe it was 31 straight days, as it turned out, we were originally going to return in between a series that that had finished up in Phoenix and then a three-game set that was going to be played uh, at the E-Center in Salt Lake City, Utah, which was the site of the 2002 Olympics six years earlier. And what happened was is on the flight back to Alaska, a volcano erupted in Anchorage. And it canceled all flights for a period of, I think, something like 30 hours. So we decided to just stay in Phoenix. And uh, then we left for, you know, we were in Phoenix for five days, practiced on three of them. And uh, and headed off uh, to Utah for the three game series, and ended up being on the road for 31 full days. Reed, you would have loved that trip because with the five off days in Phoenix in the third week of March, you know where I was throughout the day, bouncing around from one spring training game to another. And I know uh, you, being a baseball guy, you would have been right there with me. 
Uh, well, I probably would have tried to golf as well, though. Did you in, in March? I mean, we don't get a lot of that. I know some driving ranges are open, but we don't get a lot of full rounds in March in Edmonton, nor in Anchorage, I assume. Yeah, no, I, I, I did some golfing as well, but uh, I know you're a big baseball guy, so you would have loved, I mean, you know, staying where we were in Scottsdale, uh, you're within a half hour's drive of, I think, something like seven different camps. And then, you know, I, I, I talked about staying in Phoenix. So years before that, that was in the 08, 09 season, but years before that, going back to 2000, 2001, uh, we were in Phoenix for a game at the old Arizona Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Now, this was the arena where the Phoenix Suns uh, played. This was the arena where the Phoenix Roadrunners of the old IHL played. Uh, and we were doing a game there, and I noticed as I was wrapping up my pregame show, obviously this being minor league hockey, I did everything, pre, you know, the game, post, PR, all that stuff. And as I was wrapping up the pregame show, I said, I hope we'll have a game by, but the Zamboni has not moved from center ice the last 15 minutes. And, you know, what they had done, obviously, is when this latest version of a minor league team, they were called the Mustangs, when they rolled into town, they just used, they found the old Zamboni that the Roadrunners used to use. As you can imagine, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the team, you know, the, the Phoenix Coyotes had like brand new Zambonis at America West Arena. They were playing there at that particular point in time. Uh, Glendale hadn't been built yet. Well, at that particular point in time, when the when the when the Mustangs moved in, they just then dusted off the old Zamboni, which had been out of commission uh, since since the IHL days. I think the Phoenix Roadrunners might have left the IHL in '95. Well, apparently the maintenance, uh, you know, they might have missed a few passes on that because it died at center ice. They couldn't get it off the ice. The players were skating around the Zamboni, you know, trying to finish up warm up. They thought it was a relatively minor malfunction and they'd eventually get it off the ice and we play well we never did uh the game was the game was postponed so you know those are the kind of things you see in minor league hockey but you know when talking with our colleague louis debrosk reed uh years ago during that one year they retired all the gretzky jerseys he was playing for the you know phoenix coyotes and they were in raleigh and that was the night that the 99 was going to be retired in Raleigh. They were circulating around the league that year. You probably remember. Well, they fly in there from Arizona right into a snowstorm that basically paralyzed the whole city of Raleigh. As you can imagine, uh, you know, in those southern states, they're not used to much snow. So I don't know whether us here in Edmonton would have considered a major snowstorm, but there in Raleigh, uh, they were stuck there for four days, the Coyotes were. So they not only didn't play the game, but, but Louie and his teammates sat around and played cards and hung out in Raleigh, North Carolina for four days while the, while the city scrambled to find uh, snow clearing equipment and reopen its airport. You never told me that Zamboni story. Oh, I've never told you the Zamboni. Yeah, no, that. Well, I could have forgotten. What was really funny was just, I mean, for a while, the players, like I said, they were, you know, they they were taking their warm up drills and just skating around the Zamboni. You know, just, you know, basically, okay, well, that part of the ice we can't use for warm up. We'll just adjust and adapt. And then it became evident that that thing wasn't coming off the ice anytime soon. So the game had to be, had to be postponed. I, you know what? And, 
And here's how, I mean, that was 20 years ago now. And I, I quite frankly don't remember whether we made that up on the trip or came back, you know, for another two game series and turned it into a three game series or what happened. I, I have a feeling the game was made up, but I couldn't swear by it. The amazing thing about that game Reed, is I believe another NHL broadcaster was in the building because I think I've told you the first minor league, team I worked for was the Colorado Gold Kings, and I replaced a gentleman by the name of Paul Edmonds, who had been with the club in its first year, and then I came in for the final three. He's now the voice of the Winnipeg Jets. Well, the year after he is, I don't know what happened, but his work visa or something didn't go down in Colorado, he ended up in Phoenix, and I believe he worked one season for this Phoenix Mustangs club. I'm talking about it. And I believe he was in the building that night too. So you've got, you've got two different announcers that you see on a regular basis that could tell you that story. Jack Michaels joining us tonight on inside sports postponed game between the Oilers and the Canadians. And uh, now we wait and see with what happens with the rest of the game or when this is going to be replayed. Jack Michaels uh, checking in here, kind of an impromptu edition of uh, inside sports, Ottawa leading Calgary one, nothing halfway through the second period. We'll give you the uh, full scoreboard in a, in a few minutes. Well, Jack, thanks for doing this. Now tell me, uh, obviously Saturday night, the Oilers got the win. And look, I know this is one of the the cliches, but uh, Edmonton's winning. They're winning different ways. And you know, I, I prepared a bunch of stats for the uh, for the faceoff show that I, I didn't fully get to use. But they're since the since the fourteenth game of the season, they're like fourth best defensively in the NHL. Like basically two and a quarter goals against per game is where they're at. Well, and that's because not only has Mike Smith delivered a, a series of fantastic performances, I think he's 11-3 and three with a save percentage of 92, but as you rightfully pointed out the other night, since Mike Smith became available, Miko Koskinen's game has gone north as well. I think his record is only 4-3, and three, but his save percentage is 935. He's been, he's been very good. So, you know, the goals against have come down, I, I, and I think the other thing is Tyson Berry has really settled in. Remember, the first couple weeks of the year, you know, Barry was struggling a little bit like the rest of the team. They weren't getting saves. The the power play hadn't clicked yet. And Barry was still finding his footing five on five. Uh, the other thing that's happened is is a guy like William Laguson has come in and, and solidified his spot in the lineup for a while there, Reed. He was up around 200 minutes and he hadn't been on the ice for more than one even strength goal. So They've gotten some, you know, and, and of course, Darnell Nurse, we've talked about ad nauseum, is having a, a, a kind of a season that often gets you in the field for Norris consideration. And some would say suggest that's ridiculous. There's a lot of people out there who still are reluctant to consider Darnell Nurse a top pair defenseman, but I'm sorry, he's in the top six of the league in, in points for a defenseman. He's second in the league in goals for a defenseman. He's third in the league in plus minus. And even if you want to toss out that stat, fine you don't like that stat he's playing 26 minutes a night for one of the best clubs in the league that's that's often enough to get you in the mix for the norris he's, he's been fantastic so uh there are many reasons why edmonton's winning reed you make a good point they're winning games in a lot of different ways they've scored six goals more than any team in the league they've won by three or more more than any team in the league 
but they've also more won more one goal games than any other team in the league. I mean, so you know, you start adding up all those numbers, and you start thinking that we might be onto a pretty darn good hockey club. So, I, just to illustrate your point, because I had, had some notes you know, covering basically the exact same topics that you were about to brush up on. So I, I suppose we have to espouse this knowledge in some fashion or another And a two hour uh, impromptu edition of your show is I suppose the most appropriate form. Well, and it proves great minds think alike. Jack, thank you for doing this, buddy. I, I appreciate it. Anytime pal. Always a pleasure. And uh, let's hope we're back at it on Wednesday for Mooner's sake. I don't want to see another hair fall out of that head. <laughs> Oh, yeah, good point. That is Jack Michaels checking in. Uh, play-by-play voice for your Oilers on Sportsnet at here on 630 Chet. And we uh, do not have a game. It has been postponed as a couple of Canadians went into COVID protocol. And uh, we'll see how this develops. It's 622, back in a couple minutes. Jack and I were talking about for the Oilers first 13 games of the season they were six and seven they were allowing 3.77 goals against per game that's a lot since then in their most recent 21 games the Oilers 2.29 goals against per game and uh, 3.33 four per game and that's why they've gone 15 six 15 and six in their last 21 games. Pretty impressive. No Oilers game tonight. It got postponed. Do not know when it will be made up. And quite frankly, we don't know if they're going to have games in Montreal on uh, Wednesday and Friday. Probably won't know that until tomorrow morning at the earliest. So inside sports from six to eight, we'll uh, catch up with Edmonton Oil Kings forward, Jake neighbors later on tonight, his team off to a seven and O start. And here's a treat for you. Craig Simpson, former Edmonton Oiler, now broadcaster, he's going to join us after the 6.30 news. You can get in touch on the CertainTeed hotline, 780-496-0063. CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials. Jujar Kara playing pretty well lately, but you do not get to see him in action tonight. The game between the Oilers and the Canadians has been postponed. A couple of Montreal players placed on the COVID protocol list this afternoon and about, well, 45, 50 minutes before puck drop, we found out that the game is not happening. We don't know when it will happen. Quite frankly, we don't know if Edmonton's other two games against the Canadians this week, Wednesday and Friday, are going to happen. So we have Inside Sports this evening. Quickly updating the scoreboard for you. Senators leading the Flames 1-0 after 2. Dezingle the only goal in that one. It is 2-1 for the Rangers leading the Sabres late second period. Chris Kreider has his 15th of the season. Also late second period, Hurricanes dominating the Blue Jackets. It's 3-0, and the shots are 22-9 for Carolina. After the first no score between Anaheim and Minnie, 
Flyers and Islanders late second period. one nothing for the Flyers. They're out shooting the Islanders 25-10. Later on, Canucks will host the Jets. Vegas home to St. Louis. Avalanche at Coyotes. And the late one tonight is Kings and Sharks. Reed Wilkins with you. Really appreciate you tuning in. I know you wanted an Oilers game. I did too. But the next best thing is to catch up with Craig Simpson. Craig, how's it going, buddy? I'm good. What do you got? A five-hour pregame show today? Or... <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess that's uh, sort of adjusting on the fly, doing the best you can. That's good job. We, we adjusted on the fly, and we appreciate you being uh, being part of that uh, part of that adjustment. So, I don't know. Maybe I can maybe I can like try to apply for some record because technically the shows I hosted have had three different titles: the face-off show. 6.30 Chet yeah. Afternoons and then Inside Sports. Maybe maybe that's a... I'm sure Halsey's done five or six in a day at some point. <laughs> yeah, well, again, uh, you know, radio, uh, you're, you're on live, you got to get going, and it's a disappointment, I, I, I know, for fans, but also no disappointment for players. You know, you get a start of a... What's well, a difficult week. It'll be interesting, as you were just saying, you know, you look at the games, uh, very piled-up week with Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday... Monday, uh, all on the road. So it it will be quite interesting. It, I don't think it'll be as easy, Reed, as just saying, okay, we'll play this again tomorrow and force Evan to go back-to-back and then back-to-back on the weekend. But, uh, yeah, it messes things up quite a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I don't, and I know there's a little bit of a, a buffer they've put in after the season if they have to reschedule games. I know they're they're trying not to do that because they don't want to push the playoffs back too far or have teams yeah. idle or series moving at, at at different paces. So I, I I know I know I asked you this before when when we talked at the rink, but I think it's worth giving this to our audience again or seeing this is an update. But you're actually traveling, and how have you found it? in airports and and at rinks like do you feel safe do you feel people are being cautious well i I think it's starting to tilt a little bit uh in canada you know i i wouldn't probably feel nearly as safe or grounded if i were going through stretches of the u.s just watching what uh, has transpired and how people are acting there but you know i i did say uh the, the plane this weekend coming home from Toronto was the busiest I've seen. So there's no question that the uptick is coming. And it is interesting that, you know, here we are this late in the year, and this is the first game from the Canadian division that's had to be postponed. So we've done a pretty good job. In terms of in Toronto, it's been a pretty much a lockdown uh, uh, around the downtown area. And I, it was funny, I did back-to-back games Friday, Calgary, uh, Toronto, and Saturday, Calgary, Toronto. And I've, I've said this often, walking through the path system there, which is, you know, the indoor uh, tunnels to get to the rink. I feel on, on Thursday night, I watched I Am Legend, you know, with Will Smith. And right. uh, <laughs> I've kind of felt like I'd been on my own there too. I literally walked through... Every business in there is closed and walking to the games. I think one of the games I had one person I walked by. So uh, it's really quite staggering. You know, when you're sitting here at home in Edmonton, I rarely go downtown anyways. But when you're in downtown in the heart of a big city like Toronto that you're accustomed to so many people, it's been a little unnerving. But there's no question, Reid, that the, the airport was a lot busier. Even the hotel seemed a little bit busier this last week. Craig Simpson joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Okay, I want to, because Brownie and I just started 
talking when we knew there wasn't a game. So we <laughs> we just talked about routines. Talking for hours, yeah. Yeah, we thought we were going to just talk through the evening. So, and Rob was talking about, uh, he brought up that he had teammates who would like guzzle coffee before a game. Right. What um, did you consume before a game or what's the weirdest pregame uh, habit you might have seen? You don't have to name the teammate, but, <laughs> but in terms of a guy like doing something to get, well, get in, ready. Well, in the old in the old days, guys would sneak out in the back hallway and have a cigarette. So uh, <laughs> that I, I'm old enough and started, uh, you know, that long ago that that wasn't totally um, something that never happened. So uh, that that would be definitely the weirdest. You know, I, I found uh, for me as I got, you know, I, I had to retire young, but even later in my 20s uh, when I had a little too much coffee early, I found I, I was a little jittery. And I, it was funny because Kelly Buckberger and I at different times were roommates, uh, you know, on the road. And Bucky would just pound coffees, as Brownie was saying there. And But he loved being jittery. He loved, you know, having that little bit of an edge, and that sort of made him feel good. I, I found I like the calmness in my arms and my hands. And uh, so I think even at the end of the my time plan, I, I cut back on it a little bit just because of that. And, you know, see, nowadays as a broadcaster, as you know, Reid, you've seen us, can't have way too much coffee just trying to stay awake, especially now, and stay sharp. But, uh, you know, definitely it did have a little bit of a sense if I did too much of that um, I just felt a little bit jittery, but I know a lot of guys, they, they do love that little bit of extra, you know, uh, uneasiness in their body and get you going and get out and, and have a little edge to you. You played for the Penguins before he came to the Oilers. Rob said early in his Penguins career, there was a beer cooler in the tunnel from the bench to the dressing room that would be stocked up for post game. So you could grab a beer. So you already had it in the dressing room while you were getting undressed. Was that there in your day? (laughs) Well, you know, that was such a bad rink too. And and you think like that, that dressing room was worse than most junior dressing rooms uh, that you see around nowadays. So there wasn't a lot of common areas. So I, I would agree with Robbie. It didn't matter where it was. It was just in the most spacious area to have it sitting. But, you know, what a, what a difference. Uh, even in our Edmonton days, it, you know, it wasn't front and center. But after the game, you wouldn't necessarily think twice about uh you know mac t always said the the best feeling after a big win is reaching your hand down the bottom of the cooler where you know the ice and the water are so cold and the, you grab one and and just hear hear it open so uh you know times definitely change it, it's amazing to me watching the guys just how in tune they are with what their body needs and all the nutrition that you have available to you now to to monitor and you know improve your body so it is a bygone area there's a lot of things from the old days that you'd say you know are they're just interesting stories there's a lot of it that go how the heck the guys ever play but i think all you have to do is is watch a game from the 1980s and a game from today and just see the the speed and athleticism and the difference of the pace uh, today as opposed to the old day. I I don't want to speak for Robbie, but he and I would have a pretty good race uh, to a loose puck. So neither of us were known for our our speed. And uh, 
I just sit in the booth now and marvel at uh, at just the the speed and the ability of guys to stop and start and not take penalties, not hook and hold. And so, you know, it is such a transformation from even 20, 25 years ago. Okay, so when you were playing then, did you have any awareness of how of what you should do to refuel after game because yeah. now I, I mean i haven't gone into the dressing room after games for a few years because but i used to do post game in there and guys would have like these purple smoothies ready for them right. like did you have any awareness of what you should do after expelling all that energy i would say to be honest no especially my first five or six years um, I think your your mindset is always about well, how does my body feel? You know, I, I think one of the things that um, is so different when you're no longer an athlete is, you know, how your your fatigue or your body or your aches and your pains affected everything you did leading up to practice or game. If we were playing tomorrow, everything tonight was what do I need to do to get this feeling better? And you know, my my leg is sore. I got to ice and do that. So. I think the attention was to how you were feeling, but in a different way. Whereas now there's no question from all the trainers to the nutritionists to knowing exactly what you're low in and what you haven't been feeding back into your body. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's, uh, it's definitely it's something that allows today's player to continually play at such a high level. And I don't think you know, everybody, there was protein shakes and, Guys would be doing some of that, but uh, definitely not even not even remotely close. Yeah. Hey, before I let you go, and I and I should bring this up because something you know sad happened today. But I think this individual should be acknowledged for his National Hockey League career as a linesman. Swede Knox passed away today, uh, an Edmontonian. Yeah. He did uh, pass away in uh, in BC from lung cancer at the age of seventy three. But obviously, because of him living here, did tons of games in Edmonton over the course of his career. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I tweeted out today. I just. I, I almost felt like it was a given that either Swedenox or Randy Minton were at least one. And often they were the pair of linesmen. Uh, and, you know, it's a, it's amazing. You, you go through the course of your career, especially when you're a little bit older. When you're young, you got so many things you're trying to figure out about the game. But when you're more established and confident in who you are, it's amazing how much little interactions you have with linesmen, especially as a time as a centerman or even just, you know, at the end of the whistle you get into a jostling match you have some laughs or some conversations with them but there is no question that uh, it just seemed on a on an Edmonton home game uh, Swede was there 70 to 85 percent of the time so you do get a real sense of what his personality is like and his professionalism and how he does the job so uh, I was I was sad to hear that and you know what Reed it's another reminder when you hear his age I uh you know, I heard today too. William Shatner is 90 years old uh, today, yeah. and I yeah. thought it just it slaps me in the face a little bit because, for me, for a person like Swede, even I, I still see his face from 35 years ago, right? And uh, it's another reminder of just how time flies, and uh, it's, it's. I'm sure we send out all our best to, to he and his family. Yeah, well said. Hey, Craig, thanks for hopping on. It's always fun to have you on the show, and, and I really appreciate you doing it on short notice from this afternoon. And uh, enjoy whatever you're watching tonight. We'll see you around the rink.
Well, I'm sure you'll be calling in about two and a half hours when you and Rob have talked <laughs> talk yourself out. You got nothing else to do. So. Okay, exactly. take care, Reed. <laughs> there we go. That's Craig Simpson checking in. Uh, great score in his National Hockey League career, now an analyst with Hockey Night in Canada and the uh, NHL on Rogers. Good to have him on the show. And yeah, Sweet Knox, uh, yeah, Craig said it. I mean, I remember as a kid, it seemed like Knox and Mitten at Northlands Coliseum. They were on the lines uh, almost every game. I know there were other guys, uh, Ray Scampanello, players like that. But uh, for sure, Swede Knox was a, a fixture in the National Hockey League and at Oilers games for a long, long time. It is 646. Uh, if you're just joining us or somehow you've missed it, the Oilers game against the Canadians postponed. No makeup date because of a couple Montreal players going into COVID protocol. Inside Sports on Chet. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Spur of the moment edition of Inside Sports. We haven't really had one of those before as the Oilers game against the Canadians has been postponed with two Montreal players, Armia and Kotkaniemi, going into the uh, COVID protocol. We'll get a further update on that situation from Eric Engels. He covers the Habs for Sportsnet in Montreal coming up in about uh, half an hour. Hey, I remind you to check out uh, Morley Scott in the ePod. It's available at CuriousCast.ca or wherever you get your podcasts. Morley's uh, guest on the latest episode is a big name, the coach of the Edmonton football team, Jamie Elizondo, told some stories from his days in the NFL, including his stint as a guest coach with Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. New England is a really difficult place to get into, and they were great to me. They gave me my own office. You know, um, I, I will tell this story. People were coming up to me all the time saying, gosh, nobody's had this much access. You know, Bill just doesn't operate this way. You know, that's great. You have your own office, but if I wanted to go use the restroom, I had to call somebody. So I was not even allowed to wander the halls to go get a cup of coffee or water or use a restroom, but they were great to me. Um, I remember one time I'm in the offensive meeting and Josh McDaniels is installing and I'm way in the back with the coaches and it's a, it's an auditorium and the front door opens and somebody, you know, points towards the back of the room and, interrupts the entire meeting and Josh is, you know, everybody is looking and the guy points at me again uh, or points at somebody in the back of the room. And now Tom Brady's turning back and looking at me, you know, and uh, looking at everybody and the coach next to me goes, I think that guy's talking to you. And so he points at me and he's, and he's, he says, go out the side exit. And I said, Oh my gosh, what did I do? I accessed something I shouldn't have. Who knows what I did, right? This is, I'm, I'm going on my eighth day there. And uh, I get outside and it's like, oh, no, you didn't do anything wrong. Robert Kraft just wants to visit with you. And so Robert Kraft uh, did his uh, business degree, I believe, at Columbia University. And so he was just interested and wanted to know how the team was going to do and, you know, what our quarterback situation was like. And so it was it was a great experience because, you know, I, I got ribbed. said nobody's ever, ever really interrupted Josh McDaniels in a meeting and, and Tom Brady, you know, when they're going through it. So. So for some some young coach from Columbia University, but it was it was a great experience. And Robert Kraft pulled me up in his office. We visited for about twenty minutes, and and I asked him a question at the end. I said, "What what has made you so successful?" And he said, "Really, one thing." He goes, "Just surround yourself with people smarter than you, and let them do their job." And uh, you know, I thought that's amazing for a guy that's had so much success in so many areas. 
What do, what do you take from Belichick? Uh, what did you learn about coaching from Bill Belichick? No nonsense, direct approach. There's not a, you know, the, the motto in, in Foxborough is real simple. It's, um, you know, uh, do your job, know your role, and put the team first in everything that you do. And it's really that simple. There's not a lot of flashy slogans. Being direct with players, making sure they understand the exactly what what is being asked of them. Uh, I think the thing that gets overlooked in New England a lot morely is the importance of fundamentals. Those guys work fundamentals over and over and over and over. Um, situational football, really understanding the importance of recognizing the situation, not only as a player and as a coach, and, and, and you know, talking to, to, to that situational football a great deal. I think Bill Belichick is misunderstood, and I'm going to I'm going to share this with you. So he came up to me, and he, you know, he asked, asked me, you know, are you getting everything you need? And I was like, yeah, coach, I'm, I'm thank you so much. And we visited for a little while. Uh, again, he's pretty focused and pretty intense. I get back to Columbia, and two days later, there's a handwritten personal note from Bill Belichick to me, just saying, thank you for coming up. The door's always open for you here, and it it, it just speaks to who he is they're in the middle of training camp and I'm a young coach from Columbia you know a division uh, one double a school and he has the time to write a personal handwritten note so I think it just says it speaks volume about who he is as a person and as a leader but I think those three areas keep it simple and be very direct in your communication um, understand the importance of situational football and you cannot you know stress the fundamentals enough in this game you see that, and I notice that a lot with, with Brady. You talk about fundamentals, whether he was in New England or, or this past year in Tampa. He gets upset when things don't go right. If, if you make a mistake and you don't run the right route or you don't block the right guy, he lets you know about it. And that obviously, I guess, stems from his time with uh, Belichick. It was family night, Gillette Stadium. Um, you know, the practice is happening in the evening. They open it up to the fans. There's 35,000 people that come out to, the, to watch a practice. Uh, on family night um, in the middle of training camp. And Tom Brady is MFing the receivers in the middle of practice because they're not running the right route or it wasn't, you know, the right depth. And I just thought, at first I was a little taken aback, but then I thought that level of intensity is what has made Brady so great. So it was just amazing to see how intense he really is and the the level of uh, – how his level of expectation is for, for players and, and, and for himself, obviously, because it starts with him. You look at that guy that's 43 years old and has accomplished what he's accomplished. It's amazing. That is from the excellent E-Pod put together by Morley Scott, play-by-play voice for the Edmonton football team here on 630 Chet, a cut from his conversation with double E head coach Jamie Elizondo talking about being a guest coach with the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick. Get the e-pod at CuriousCast.ca or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we'll uh, update the NHL scoreboard when we get back. I can't tell you, early in the third, still one nothing. Ottawa leading the Calgary Flames. We will go to Montreal and talk to Eric Ingles, who was uh, all over the story today leading up to the postponement of the Oilers-Canadians game. And we'll visit with Jake Neighbors, one of the stars for your undefeated Edmonton Oil Kings first-round draft pick of the St. Louis Blues in 2020. That's ahead, Inside Sports on Chet. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.